This episode is sponsored by the IoT Job Site, the world's only dedicated space for applying for and advertising IoT vacancies across the world. Register now for job alerts or get in touch via Let's Talk at the IoTJobSite.com. Welcome back to the IoT Podcast Show. I'm your host, Tom White. Today we're joined by Stefan Schul. Stefan is the CEO of Sensorberg. Sensorberg is a Berlin-based business working to integrate intelligent hard and software solutions for the digitization and automation of buildings, including smart living and self-storage facilities. Before we get into it, guys, could you do me a favour? Could you like, comment and subscribe to the show? You'll be notified every time there's a new episode. And as always, I don't care how you're connected, just as long as you're connected. Thank you for joining us, Stefan. It's a pleasure. Stefan, for those that don't know about your business, Sensorberg, and your background in IoT, perhaps you could give us a brief introduction. Yeah, sure. Certainly, I can do that. Actually, I'm, um, I'm a telco guy. I was in the telco industry for 20 years or more. Uh, my customer was the one known to you in the UK because I was dealing with Vodafone Global Worldwide. So I was uh, I was doing the first UMTS network contract for Huawei, for example, the Chinese ones. And then I built up a Vodafone unit in, in Huawei and then uh, we started selling the first handsets and so on and so forth. And then I changed over to Samsung to run the terminal business of Samsung with Vodafone Worldwide. And after that, um, I went to Sony, actually, and doing the same thing. But then again, Sony handsets were not selling very well, uh, uh, let's mm -hmm. say five years ago. Uh, so I started to do a bit of IoT because Sony was active in, in IoT as well. So we did like uh, hospital bed tracking, stuff like that uh, in Sweden, in some hospitals there. And while doing so, I was bringing together Sensorberg and Sony and on my 50th birthday. And uh, at that time, then suddenly it, it changed a little bit. And then the guys from Sony, the investors want, uh, from Sensorberg, wanted me to join Sensorberg. And that's how I came and ended up in Sensorberg. Um, a good friend of mine who was running Sensorberg at that time was still there. And he kind of hired me. And when he moved out a year later, I took over as the CEO of Sensorberg. So that's the, the history how I went into that business. And Sensorberg itself is a company that was founded in 2013 and did uh, beacons first. It was a beacon platform, which is very marketing driven and uh, also in terms of the business model is not very much sustainable. So that's yeah. why when my friend uh, went to Sensorberg, uh, they did the pivot and started doing an IoT platform, which was fine. Yeah. Uh, but an IoT platform, you don't buy from a startup company. So that was also a good idea, but not really successful. So we started building, or Sensorberg at that time, started building uh, use cases on top of the IoT platform. And the first use case on top of the IoT platform was access control. And um, that happened when we talked to the first customer, the biggest co-working space in Europe at that time. It's called the factory in Berlin. And they wanted to have some beacons. And while sitting there, Michael, my predecessor, he said, oh, you need access control as well. Yeah, we can build that. And that's how the whole idea of Sensorberg and access control started. And right after that, I joined Sensorberg and we had like one customer or two. And then we were starting to, to grow into the co-working space mainly. So in Berlin, probably most of the co-working space you see there will have our technology. And then we started to 
get broader. So we had a solution where you can add sensors to it on a Bluetooth network. And we got new investors in, and these new investors asked us, can you do something in living? So we started with residential projects, meaning all the smart home steering, packet boxes, you name it, everything which you can digitalize actually there. And um, so we had these two verticals. And then in this factory, in this co-working space, we also did lockers, you know, lockers that can open up. Uh, you can book them and open them with the app. And uh, I was seeing that and I was driving with a car and I was driving next to a self-storage facility. And I was in my car and I was like, hmm, listen, I mean, self-storage box, locker, actually the locker is the same as a self-storage box, just bigger. So why don't we do self-storage? And that's how we ended in our third vertical called self-storage. Uh, so we ended up with these three main verticals, living, office, and storage. Yeah, so that's where we came from. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, you know, fascinating business. And obviously, you've got a very good provenance in telco yourself. And a lot of people have come into this world from a telco background. You're totally um, right, because a lot of my old friends from Vodafone, I see now working in prop techs or companies uh, and also a lot of energy yeah. sectors. So this is where they all had to. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine, Jürgen, that's a prop in prop tech at the moment. Uh, that that came from from Vodafone. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of people have. Um, just to go into a little bit more depth, if we could, about those three key solutions of Sensorberg. So you you briefly mentioned them. Then smart co working started with the factory. Obviously, for people that are unaware, this is kind of the we work of Germany at one point, wasn't it? It was very, in a way, very yes, yes, uh, yeah. Um, smart living and smart storage um could why particularly those areas i mean obviously you you came up with the, the analogy that you're driving past the self-storage and you thought well hang on a minute this is the this is the same type of thing was it as natural as that or was there any sort of definitive um business plan to go into those areas no, I'm not, yeah, that, more yeah the funny thing is in the beginning there was not right in the beginning it was just like hey we can do that why shouldn't we and uh we, we contacted actually one first contact, one storage in Germany who was doing some 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 press release on digitalization. Uh, it ended up that this digitalization was just a robot or a robots thing, it, nothing really serious. But while I was on it and, and discussing with him, we jointly developed then the Sensorberg storage solution with him, and that was our first customer. And from that time onwards, it was quite good to proceed and develop the, the solution even more specified to to self storage, and it, it's still ongoing. So we are still in a in the process of developing the solution month by month and it's getting better month by month and then we have added up uh, customers all over europe also in the uk uh, so in london we have two storages uh, that have our equipment we are in paris and madrid everywhere so it's it's, it's really doing quite well so that was the the, the storage idea and the, for the living it was more as i said before the investors were pushing us a little bit to say hey can you do that and we said, yeah, the platform can do it. The question is now, what do we have to program within that platform to make it suitable for all these use cases you have in the living building? And that implied, of course, beside the access control that we can do the, all the smart home steering, you know, the, the shades, the lights, stuff like that. And then uh, especially this to be independent. So it doesn't really matter if it's an ocean or set wave, whatever technology you use uh, in mm -hmm. the smart home area, we should cover all of that by actually steering mm. the, the gateway, the related, the related gateway to it. And that was the start of the living. And then it, it moved on like, hey, what do we do with the packet delivery? Shouldn't we use one app only in this living uh, quarter? And I think that's the basic story of it. It is, what is the benefit for the end users? And the end user benefit is to have one app covering the whole building. 
whether it's in, in, in living or office or storage. But in living, it was quite obvious because you have a lot of things that you have to bring together. There's apps that can in, even include mobility. Uh, they can include a flower service, whatever. So everything that you have amount uh, a living quarter should be in one app. That was the idea uh, at a time uh, behind that. And in the office case, it's mainly about, um, of course, the main use case is still was still access control because you get rid of all the key handling. Um, and uh, beside that, it's uh, more utilization. It's like sensors to measure how many people are in there and stuff like that. So this is where we started with that. And that's, but that's also where we are still today in a little bit because the, the these verticals develop in a different speed, I would say, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely, completely agree. Um, your your comment there about the app controlling everything is is a logical one, right? Going to be less adopted, isn't it? Yeah, and it was also it was also kind of a fight in the beginning because if you look in the residential area, you have companies that provide, for example, uh, mailboxes and uh, package delivery boxes, and they are of course good companies. And what they do is like, look, I have a solution and I have an app for it. So you have the app of the package uh, box, then you have a bell system, and then the guys from the bell system say, hey, I have an app for my bell system. And then you have the access control. I have, an, and then you, all of a sudden you have, four, then you have a, an app for your smart home stuff, right? So then you have five, six different apps actually, and the idea is to bring that together into one, right? It doesn't have to say that 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 we do all of that. And by the way, we don't because we give our technology platform also to another app, maybe on top of us. So a real app for for the living quarter that includes, as I said before, this flower service or or let's say. Uh, urban mobility or you have smart metering these kind of things and, and that has to come into one and sensorberg is more let's say the technical aggregation of it so everything which is technical driven is the sensorberg app and the sensorberg app will give us an sdk towards others like i don't know you name them animus or i don't know which one office app is, is in the office space quite famous i guess space OS. these kind of apps actually and they yeah. are using then our technology yeah okay yeah but that well that's I mean that's that's a great area. That's a great idea, right? In you know to build the SDK for people. The idea is great. I agree with you, but um, in in terms of in terms of does it make sense? Is a is a bit of a battle, right? And, and the big battle we have here is and and we figured it out over the last two three years, and that's why we shift our focus and in, in sensible currently a little bit. But I can come to that later. The point is. If yeah. you have an IoT solution, who is the user of the IoT? Who benefits from it? So I give you an example. In in the residential area, the tenant will benefit. He has only one app. The tenant can use everything in one app and, and be happy. And it's a comfort function. I can do even if I if I come into my building, I can already put down my shades or switch on the light. It's nice, right? It's really nice to have. So tenants appreciate it a lot. Will the tenants pay more rent for that? No, they don't, because especially if you're it's probably the same in London, but uh, also in Berlin and the big cities in Germany, if you build a residential building and you want to rent it out, it will be rented out within seconds. I, I'm exaggerating, but I mean, we need we need living space, right? So and you see the prices in London, right? So will the tenants be willing to, to pay more for these comfort functions? 
we doubt, or let's say reality shows at the moment, they don't want to pay more for it. It's a comfort thing and it will make sense over the years because it, when it becomes more commodity, if it's commodity, then of course you need it and everybody needs it. But for now, as of today, it's a comfort function that the end users might not pay for it. So who pays for it? The operator, the one that owns the building. So what is the benefit for the operator? Almost none. Almost none. Yeah, okay, a bit of smart metering, energy consumption, get some data, fine. I agree with that. But beside that, there's not, not much benefit for the operator. The same in office. Let's, let's say key handling, okay, point taken, key handling is clearly an advantage also for the operator. I totally agree. But beside the key handling, it's the same thing. It's more comfort function rather than really using it. Maybe in the facility case, you could argue this famous cleaning case, right? So you have a presence sensor and is your office, was your office in use today? No, it was not. So please tell the cleaning guys they don't have to come, right? This is a famous use case. But is that widely accepted in the market? I doubt at the moment. Yeah? So also in office, we have this situation. Now let's look at the storage. In storage, it's also a comfort function for the tenants, for the ones that rent their boxes. But on the other side, it's a clear advantage for the operator because the operator saves process cost. Very simple. Give you a very simple example. Um, your customer in the storage doesn't pay. So in, in today's analog world, the, the, the operator will go there and put an extra padlock on it. So then the customer comes in and says, oh, there's an extra padlock. Hmm, probably I have not paid. So he goes home again, he will pay, he will call them say, listen, now I paid, can you remove the lock? Then the operator has to go back to that box, remove the lock again, right? This is a process that can, take a week. Now let's look at the same thing in the digital space, in our digital solution. You come to the box, you press on your app, and your app says, oh, sorry, you haven't paid. So what does the tenant do? Okay, uh, let's use PayPal, I'll pay. And five seconds later, the box opens. And what is the involvement of the operator? None. And that's exactly the point. All these kind of processes benefit the operator of self-storage. And that's why this vertical, as of now, is the one booming. In our in our in our case in Zensberg case, storage for us is going through the roof. The other ones are so so. You know? Yeah, no, I mean it's great. It's a great example. I think. Can you see any use cases where it would benefit both the operator and the and the user? You mean in terms of of living in office? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, if you talk about the te the tenant, the tenant's not going to pay extra yeah. for it because yeah, that, that, it yeah, should be what it is. No, no, that, 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 there um, are use cases that make totally sense, especially if you if you look at uh, bigger office uh, spaces. The the one thing that totally makes sense, it, it, let's say, a theoretical case, is this typical case in the morning. You have a big building. You will they start the heating at I don't know six o'clock until nine o'clock, and then all the people come in. So what happens? People have also like they we also produce energy and heat which means normally the, the temperature rise above the level that it should be because all the people are coming in now. So the building starts again cooling down so that, that it, over, the, over the day it, it has a flat curve temperature. So in this curve, you can deduct if you do it with IoT because with IoT, you know when the people are coming in there and we, we can do that today with the presence sensors and so on and so forth. But what is not possible today yet or let's say not 100% yet, is to actually steer the building automation. So in these big buildings, residential, but especially in office, we have building automation systems. They're in there for 10, 20 years. They are like 
and the software is the same age, right? So never touch and running systems. These are great, great examples of, of building automation. Great companies, you know, these Honeywells of the world and whatever, they do an excellent job on this. But it only becomes an advantage if you can combine the building automation side with the new, let's say, PropTech digital IoT side. And if you can combine that, and if you can give out the steering commands to the building automation, then suddenly it makes sense because then you can add the KI, the artificial intelligence on top, and then suddenly it pays off because you can really save energy in these kind of things also for the operator. Having said that, we are not there yet today. Yeah, We can, building automation, in Sensorberg at least, I can speak for us, we can read out building automation, easy. So you can do dashboards and maybe even give some recommendations, but you're not actively steering the building automation as of today. Yeah, This will come, no doubt about it. So this will come sooner or later, but at the moment it's not. And why is that? Because all of these, let's say, older systems are not open systems. Every new company in PropTech area, in terms of IoT, we all build on open platforms, open APIs. And that's what the other ones do not have yet. Or if they do, they might not be sufficient to actually talk to the other software. Yeah, I know. That yeah. was a long one. I'm yeah. sorry. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. Look, you're very clearly very passionate about it and and, and have thought about it in great depth, right? Um, it's it's interesting because if you, you know, for me to, to look at this from a higher level point of view, naturally there's going to be less focus because of the demand for it um and, and 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 i guess the interesting aspect is you know how do we get to that point whereby the tenant uh not so much is happy to pay more for it but you know the landlord of that building uh knows that they have to offer that at what point does it become a saturation point whereby if you're not offering um yeah. this type of technology at, will it then detract from your available um, your uh, your way to to rent those properties? Uh, do, you, do you understand? What yeah, yeah I, I think I do, and I think that what we talk about here is actually when do we get above above these early adapters? We have we always have some early adapters. Let's yeah. say on the operator side. Yeah. So when do we get that curve mm. to move more into the cash cows in these old ways, right? In marketing, but let's say this mm. way. Um, I believe that um, the first thing we need is time because the time is not there yet at the moment. What happens as of today is, I'll give you a good example, a, a good news later on, but let's say for the bad news in the beginning is that a lot of these uh, operators or let's say building owners, they want, they say, oh, digitalization, that's the hype, I have to do it. So they do it. So most of them do a so-called lighthouse project, right? So I can talk about, for example, in the German market, you, maybe we have five to maybe maximum 10 fully digitalized living quarters in Germany. Yeah? And Sensorbike, we did two of them already. Yeah. So, and there are some others that did the other ones. Yeah. So, actually, we're quite good positioned in terms of a market share there. But two out of ten, maybe two projects, will not be. It's not commercially not interesting for us, right? So, what happens then? They have done their first experience. They have a learning curve. Not not everything works perfect from day one. That's also a learning on all sides for sure. 
And now the question is, well, when will they move up into having this as a standard in the way they build stuff? And that, for me, I think takes a bit of time. Yeah? We, are, we are simply not there yet. Um, it, what we see now is that in all new projects that we are discussing, digitalization is a topic. So we have the first time ever, we have kind of consultancy in terms of digital use cases within living quarters. That's the situation where we are in. We have a lot of discussions on this one, but these projects will be live, go, going live maybe in 2023, 2024, because the planning phase of such a quarter is between five years, nah, three to five years is the planning phase. And if we are now in the planning phase and they are now listening up and saying, hey, that's what we should maybe consider, it takes another two years because before it hits the world. And that's why we have yeah. a, a kind yeah. of a, how do you say that? Uh, a time in between yeah, where there are no projects. Or, 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 mm. Let's say not many of them. There are just a few projects. Mm. And these few projects might not be enough for a lot of these prop tech companies to survive that focus on mm. this one. That's why I'm so happy in terms of sensor work that we have this one vertical that, that works like crazy, which is great. So that keeps us busy. And we, are, we can still watch the rest of the of the verticals and we still have the platform it's not like we are prepared more or less yeah? um, but for me it means that in 2022 this year and probably also next year the focus of my product development is also focusing on storage it's not focusing on living so I'll give you an example i will not i will not add another intercom system this year i could do that but why should i i will not in implement a new intercom into our platform just because of one project no, I'm waiting. Yeah. We can do that next year or the year after. In the meantime, we concentrate on what is best for the company and what also brings a solution to the market that people can value. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great answer. I mean, traditionally speaking, in any technology program, as you say, you have the early adopters and it goes up to, to mass yeah. adoption, yeah. right? And so, so when it becomes common, And that takes another two years for me. Uh, if you ask me, it's yeah. at least another two years before we see that in in in, in living and in, in even in office. And in office, I said before, you also need to have this this bridge with the building automation, to, so it makes really sense. This will happen in the next two years. I'm I'm pretty confident about that, but not today. Yeah. Well, why why two years? So in the past, we've had people on the podcast talking about the need for. Uh, universal interfaces, right? So the hyperscalers working together, you know, uh, barriers to entry, um, you know, talking about uh, roaming capabilities, etc., and permanent roaming. And, and, and is this? Do you do you see it in your view as a um, everything is coming to a junction, and that junction in your particular area is two it, years it, time? It, it, for this to it's be my it's my best guess. And 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 the, 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 but the point that you mentioned right before are technology points. So one is the technology. The technology would be ready if you put enough resources on we are done in half a year. Yeah? But, uh, but that's not the point. The point is when will the market demand for it? And you often have the case, especially in, in, in these startup spaces and in prop tech phases, you, you almost all the time have this problem. You have a great product, but nobody wants it. Yeah? And I think that's the situation at the moment. It's not like nobody wants it, but let's say it's not enough traction in the market to really create this, this pull for the solution. And uh, the technology path will continue. This will go on, right? A couple of things that we have not solved today, technical problems, will be solved in a year or two, two years' time. No problem about that. The question is now is who takes the guts to 
spend money, effort, resources into solving a technical problem, not knowing if the market is ready in one or two years. And that's what we have done. And that's what you could say maybe was a mistake of Sensibrek from an from a overall picture, because we have invested in that technology two years ago. And we have done it and we have shown it, but it doesn't pay off. Yeah? Uh, and that's why I'm a bit more hesitating on, on investing too much into the de product development in living in office and rather focus on the ones that are sellable, which is storage at the moment. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's it, it takes someone or a business to show what's capable and what is out there. So m market demand also can be dictated by people just being you know, ignorant to the solutions that are available from a technology standpoint. Yeah. But that's not their fault. They may just not know. Yeah, but if you, right? have, if you have a startup um, which is well-funded, like, I don't know, a startup funded by an energy company yeah. or whatever with millions and millions of funding, yeah. they can work on that. That's fine. But we are beyond that stage, right? We are on the way being a profitable company. We need to be a profitable company. That's what also, also our investors want to see, of course. And we don't have the big pockets to have, I don't know, 20 more developers uh, working on that. The, 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 the bunch of developers I have, I will need to utilize for the one that brings profit to the company. Yeah, and it, and it completely makes sense. But it's also probably quite nice to have a lean and agile business in that sense as well. Which we are. It means you're more attuned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, this leads me really nicely on, actually, Stefan, to my next question that I was going to ask you. Uh, you mentioned that uh, until two years time, you're going to focus more on the self storage and other areas. Um, what what are your customers most interested in, in terms of what you can offer? Obviously, we've spoken about self storage, and that's, that's got a real value there. What other ones are there? Well, I mean, when I say self-storage, this is the market we are, we are in at the moment. But let's say the technology or let's say the products that we are selling in that area also fit other things, of course. it is We're still doing access control in uh, as such, right? Also for living in office. We're not stopping with that, right? So let's say the basic stuff that we have, we can still utilize. I'm just saying I'm not developing new stuff in the, in the, in the other areas. Mm -hmm. And talking about self-storage, it could be the same thing as, and we did that already, Think about golf clubs, think about fitness clubs, uh, all these kinds of everybody who has, let's say, the need for a booking and opening of locker kind things and doors and elevators and stuff like that, everything which comes along with it. So it's not um, just only self-storage. It can very well be. And there are some other verticals in that area as well that we can cover. But the focus at the moment is, is the storage one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I'm and I'm keen to um, to look at the innovations that we're going to see moving forward. Right, so you mentioned again around maybe two years, in your opinion, is that when it's going to become more prominent in smart co-working, especially living. Um, what do we expect to see uh, innovation-wise from that? So you've obviously mentioned market demand is one thing. Technology can happen quite quickly, but. Yeah, interested to know where we're going. I think that's 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 what I probably partly covered in my in my in my discussion before. Um, in in self storage, for me to start with that one, it's more uh, an evolution rather than innovation. So what happens in self storage is that we take more and more processes and digitalize them, and by doing so, we get a lot of, of the burden away from the operators, and there's still a lot to do in that area in that sense. Huh? So that will continuously drive the business in that area. In the other 
two verticals, which is office and living in our, in our case, then I think the innovation will kick in when, when as what I said before, when the artificial intelligence get into uh, the steering of the building automation. That's what I foresee as the innovation happening in that space. Will we, will we the first one there? I don't know. Probably not as of today. Yeah. 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 But you know what? It's like it's like the phrase, you never need to be the first, right? Um, it's like you never need to be the first ship out of the port, but you need to be in the same fleet. Yeah, we, we have been um, we have been the first twice in living and in office. Right, okay. Yeah? We, we have been. Okay. Yeah? So maybe we can pause one round. Let's, let us pause a year yeah. or two <laughs> and then we come back. <laughs> because the point is we have everything ready, right? Absolutely. Um, in terms of um, barriers, so barriers to entry to any market, um, you've spoken about market demand uh, potentially not needing this yet in, in those areas. What other barriers do you see that we still need to overcome, Stefan? I think the major barriers that we have is the, the, the combination. It's not, you will never have one platform that serves everything. This is impossible, right? So you will always have a combination of players to create a complete solution, in this case for a building, right? And um, we have a very open platform. We're very flexible with this one. And there are a lot of other young companies that are doing the same. Yeah? I'll give you an example. In Germany, there's a company Edifian, for example, which are more in this, let's say, building automation path in, in, in the reading out and dashboard kind of things and, and energy consumptions. They are also totally open for us. And, and, and this example, if you, we can we can work together as of today already because we are building with the same philosophy our platforms. On the other side, we have this building automation part, the, the older ones. Yeah? And the older ones are not there yet. They are not there yet to completely open up. Some of these systems work on Windows PCs. I mean, hmm. do I have to say more? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm not I'm not criticizing because these systems work stable for years and they are great. So I don't don't um, judge me on this one. Don't take me wrong. Uh, full kudo to what they have done, but it simply doesn't match with the software that is built today. Yeah, and and that's the major barrier. So either on the let's say building automation side, we will see them reinventing their kind of software to be a more platform-driven open software or they find a kind of a, let's say connector let's say they call it a connector that connects the old world with the new world yeah and that's the major barrier i see in order to let's say embrace the full flavor of a digital building yeah yeah it's a really valid point um uh, and I think a lot of companies struggle with legacy systems, legacy code, it being incredibly difficult to change. Um, and the bridge between the legacy and the new system, as you call it, a connector, right? Um, how, how, how businesses can do that and, and move that forward. Yeah, and you're, and you're right. It is a big problem. Um, yeah, and the other pr problem with that is you need to have the mindset to do so. Right. Because, yeah, for example, yeah. I see companies also, for the, let's say, with the new software, I see companies that simply state, yeah, we can do everything and they claim to do everything. Mm -hmm. But if you look deeper into it, you see that some of that stuff is really just crap. 
Yeah? It's it's not done well, right? I see a lot of companies offering access control. And if you in, if, if I take that app from this company and I go into a basement where you have no internet access, you know, guess what? The door will be closed. It will not open because they are not offline capable. It's a quick and dirty access control. Yeah, we can do access control. Access control is much more than that. So off, being offline capable is our, is our priority. So we don't need internet for anything. We can open it via Bluetooth and, and, and stable, so it's fail safe. A lot of others don't do that, but they claim to do everything. These companies could say, okay, why don't we rely on, for example, Sensorberg in terms of the access control, because they are reliable, they are offline, they are good. And in terms of energy submetering, I, re I rely on company XYZ or Brick for you or whatever they call it. You know? And build, and then I take my part into it as as my core offering. You know? But a lot of companies don't do that. They want to say I can do everything, and that and that's also kind of a mindset. And the old software, the legacy systems, they also say, okay, we develop on top of our software. We develop the missing part, this open platform part. We set that on top. So you see old companies with with developers that have worked on Windows systems for years. And then suddenly need to work with Python or whatever kind of uh, technology to set to build something on top, and that also doesn't really work very well. Instead of concentrating, this is my strength. This is what I can bring to the table. Who else? Who else will come to the table? And then let's jointly work on one solution for the customer. And that's also a big barrier, which is a mindset barrier in a lot of companies. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a very very valid point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're saying you can do something. But it's how well can you do that? And I think the example you said about uh, piggybacking different connection methods, right? Internet, Bluetooth, so on and so forth. Uh, it, it's logical, uh, but it depends on how uh, robust that system is. Yeah. Um, so I get, I get it. And I'm, I'm, I'm very neck. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm, I give a negative flavor into this, I guess. Maybe I should be more enthusiastic. Oh, no, not at all. No, I'm, I'm... no not at all. I, I, think, it's, I think it's passionate, yeah. right? It's not, it's not negative. It's, it's if you want to do something right, do it properly yeah. the first time. I think that's what I'm getting yeah. from it, yeah. you know? Uh, absolutely. But that is a barrier. Yeah. You know, it is a barrier, and it's a, and it's a barrier to other businesses because they, they may not necessarily know you can do it in this way. Um, and, and, and again, you know, the phrase is just because something's always been done one way, it doesn't mean it's the right way. Um, so I completely yeah, understand. Let me phrase one last sentence to that saying I'm fully, fully behind IoT. I strongly believe into that. Yeah. I'm a strong believer of that. And things will happen. We just have to overcome a couple of barriers. It's not, it's not a world that you can sell and that everything is beautiful. That's not the case. But the the foundation of IoT, the, the the possibilities that we have with these platform businesses is huge. It's really huge, and it will make an impact in the next years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I I believe it as well. Hence why I've got this show, right? That's um, why I said the sentence. I... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, so what's next for Sensorberg? What what can we expect to see in the future? Yeah, for, for us personally as a company, it's it's the expansion. We are on an expansion plan now. We are on a growth plan. We, we As I said before, we are active in some countries. But <laughs> funny thing is, for example, in the UK, we, we sold a project to the UK. It was installed. It was going live in, in, in the middle, in the center of London. And we have never seen these guys because it was during the pandemic, Yeah, which is for us also good because it shows that we can out of Berlin serve the world. This will not go on like this forever, which means we, of course, have to have people on ground as well. So we need 
even if it's a sales team or whatever. So what, what our next plans are to set up organizations also in countries and, 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 and grow across Europe uh, in the beginning. And beside that, uh, Europe is not, it's not all. I mean, there's more than Europe. And if you look in self-storage, then of course, there are a couple of other places around the world where this is uh, nice to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exciting times, certainly, you know, and I think um, coming out of this pandemic, what we're seeing a lot across the board for all technology businesses and, and those servicing the technology industry is that there's a real growth, there's a real confidence, there's a lot of um, people spending money, frankly, right, yeah. and wanting to get stuff done. Yeah. Um, which, which is, which is great. Well, for the mindset, um, for the mindset, the pandemic was good. For the business, you yeah. can argue, right? But for the mindset of yeah. the people, it was good. It was, I think, it saved us a couple of months, maybe even years, in the, in the mindset of the people when it comes to the topic of IoT and digitalization. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just an example on that. We had um, uh, Hans Nickel on from Signify. Uh, many episodes ago and Hans was talking about UV light being used to um, uh, purify air in buildings, right? Um, and so I think that the pandemic has uh, made awareness to this. And hopefully as we go back to what we spoke about, the market demand, right? And may maybe people have seen, well, hang on a minute, there are uh, or there is technology available, such as what Sensorberg can do and other companies that can actually help us yeah. with this so maybe that's maybe that's a positive outcome it is i, I, I strongly sure. believe it is, it is it has a positive impact i would say yes yeah 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 absolutely uh stefan thank you so much for coming on to the iot podcast show today it's been a real pleasure you're very passionate uh about the industry that's clear for anyone to listen and see and i really appreciate it uh, as we wrap up the show um we've got a question for you from our previous guest all oh, right um Good. So this is uh, Matt Bellachew. Matt is the founder of a business called Wear Me. Uh, and Matt asked you, Stefan, and I'll read this verbatim. Um, smart, smart buildings and smart cities are the future. It is awesome to see companies like Sensorberg promoting open dev platforms to turn traditional buildings into smart ones. But what does Sensorberg do to ascertain or measure the comfort of the building occupants? Do they have wearable components to their grand scheme or how do they achieve the comfortability? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a very good question. Um, yeah, totally, totally agree that this is a good question. I'm trying to, let me try to answer that. I think we, we said that before in, in, in our discussion today, um, you have the options, of course, to have averages. Um, give you an example. Um, people sitting in an office and I'm saying, okay, for me, it's too hot. For you, it's too cold, right? But the steering, again, building automation is done on one level. So the only thing you can do there is <clears throat> you can give your, your feelings. You can say, okay, for me, it's too cold. For me, it's too warm. And you can maybe try to set an average and then later on tell the building automation by hand, probably because not, <laughs> not by IoT yet, <clears throat> maybe it's better to go one degree down. So that's a, a method of measuring these comfort things as of today. We do not have, well, we, we can have CO2 sensors in it and whatever. That, that's all not the problem. But we don't have a variable and we cannot, especially in these bigger uh, buildings, we cannot react directly to it. Even if you would say, I'm freezing, we could from an IoT perspective 
not turn up the heat. Well, maybe we could technically, but it would not help because if I put up the heat, it's too hot for me. Yeah. So therefore, this well-being of, of, of the tenants, at the moment, there's very limited uh, opportunities, actually, to, to show that, except for what the tenants are willing to share um, from their feelings, how they feel. And they can do that with the app. Yeah. But that the tool would be the app. Yeah. And, and again, that brings it back to that central point of uh, interaction. Yes. Right? So one app. Yeah. rather than multiple apps absolutely again, right. and that roots back into that yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely stefan thank you once again for coming on to the show it's been a real pleasure yeah was fun thanks a lot yeah. and you can find out more on the iot podcast as usual on linkedin and twitter at the iot podcast and check out our website theiotpodcast.com where you can watch this and all previous episodes it would be great to hear your thoughts on the innovations of smart storage and smart living digitization and to see where we're going in the future. Until the next one, cheers.